0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hi everyone, and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. We're here today to talk about living well alone. Um, but before we get going, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, thanks so much, Gabriella. Uh, yeah, my name is Hannah Carmichael and I'm the director and co-founder of the Living Well Alone Project, which is a blog and social enterprise focused on empowering people who live alone.
0: So we're going to start off with a bit of introduction to you um, called Have You Met Hannah? So what's your favourite book? There are so many
1: that I could choose from. Um, one that I just read, literally I've just put it down, is an amazing book. It's called Sorrow and Bliss. It's by Meg Mason. Um, it's not actually the book I was going to talk about today. Um, I was going to talk about a different book by Brené Brown, but its I, I've literally just finished it. And it's just the most powerful, beautiful kind of exposition overview of what it's like to live with a chronic mental health condition. I think it's very refreshing and just how real it is and how intense it is um and how kind of it looks at the the issue from so many different angles. Um, and it's just fantastic. It was kind of mind-blowing. So that, that was the one that kind of came to mind immediately um, when you asked the question. Um, mm. I think if you'd asked me this kind of two weeks ago before I started reading it and probably slightly more relevant to kind of what we're here today to talk about. I would have picked a book uh, by Brené Brown. I mean, I love everything that she writes. If you are someone, one of the few people who doesn't know who Brené Brown is, get online now and watch her really famous TED talk. It could possibly change your life. Um, I consume pretty much everything that she reads, like pizza. Um, But the book of hers that really kind of most has spoken to me over the years is one called Braving the Wilderness, um, and I think it was, you know, when you read those books, and it's like a kind of light bulb moment. Um, and I think for me, the, the kind of central premise of that book, this idea that most of us spend our lives living in these kind of quietly, sorry, these quite um, kind of tightly confined uh, societies living within these bounded rules of how we're meant to do things and how we're meant to live and how we're meant to be um but actually if you can step outside of that into what she calls the wilderness um you're kind of in this this different world uh of people who are kind of the artistic the creators people who don't fit in but actually that's kind of where you find your tribe and that's kind of how you start to stand in your own power when you kind of step outside of all of those societal norms and think more about kind of who it is that you want to be and what kind of life it is that you want to lead so for me that would be the the kind of book i think the best ties in with with what we're here today to talk about
0: Okay, I'll definitely be diving into that theme a little bit more later. Um, So what's a movie that you've seen recently? Um, So I haven't actually seen that many films recently. Um,
1: At the moment in my household, so there are two of us living here right now. I I rent a room out to young people who are leaving the foster care system. I have a young woman living with me right now. And we are on a huge Netflix binge. Um, So movies, not so much, but we have been watching Stranger Things from the start, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's... Don't
0: spoil it. I haven't seen the last season. <laughs> I'll tell you how it
1: ends. I won't. I promise. Um, but I think the, I mean, the the thing I just find. I mean, it's a, it's a great show for many reasons. It's kind of scary, so don't watch it if you're, you know, you're too freaked out by by things that are like well, kind of horror shows. But I think the thing for me that I find most refreshing about it is the focus on friendship as the kind of driver of the show. I think. Um, there are these kind of romantic connections and storylines that pop up, but they're not really the thing that drives it forward. It's much more about um, these friendships across kind of age boundaries, gender boundaries, race boundaries um, that, that kind of keep it going and, and drive it forward. So that's yeah, we've been binging it. I mean, outside of that, I kind of I guess I, you know, I'm you just interested in anything kind of human interest um, and human stories. and I have absolutely no shame with that. Um, you know I don't know if you've seen you know there's beautiful stuff on Netflix and Amazon Prime right now things like Modern Love which is just gorgeous and really really beautifully done but you know right the way through to kind of reality shows I love things like Love is Blind um, I think you know I draw the line at anything that's a bit kind of exploitative I don't like things like Love Island but really anything else I will watch um, yeah but much more kind of uh, TV focused right now <laughs> streaming focused <laughs>
0: I, I think it's actually a lot easier to watch TV shows because you can like, it's like half an hour, an hour at a time. Exactly, rather than, yeah. It's kind of Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, are you listening to any podcasts at the moment?
1: So I'm going to own up to something. Um, I'm not really much of a podcast person. I feel like it's really blasphemous to say that. Um, I'm a very visual learner, you know, so I, I really struggle to take stuff in. Even when I listen to the radio, it's more just for music. Um there was just one podcast that was recommended to me a little while ago, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of very few that I've actually listened to. Um, it's by Amanda Berlin. Um, it's called She Did It Her Way. And it's really focused on women who are trying to set up new ventures and side hustles and kind of leaving the nine till five. And uh, I listened to it particularly when we were starting the project and it became clear really quickly that this was going to turn into something that was much more than just... The blog that I'd started writing, and I was just looking for some ideas on kind of how to get that onto more of a sustainable footing it wasn't so much about starting my own business because i, I kind of had and have a, a, a day job um, but it was just kind of how do i structure this how do i put this together what are the things i need to think about and i did find that really really helpful i think it's you know she, she's very generous with her knowledge um, uh, and she gets some great guest speakers in um, who really speak to the issues that you face as a small business owner so if any of you out there are um you know doing that kind of thing it's a great one to listen to
0: Yeah. It definitely sounds like worth a listen to.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. Do you have a role model? (sighs) Again, so
1: many, Um, you know, I was thinking about this question and I was, I was going to get really kind of, um, uh, I was going to, you know, talk about kind of historical figures and so on. And I think there is something in that for me about, if I think about my own life as someone who is living quite differently from the kind of traditional mainstream norm um uh, i think women through history who have kind of charted their own paths are definitely people that i would look to but actually if i had to pull out one person in my life i would actually probably talk about my grandmother um who was someone who was just very much ahead of her time um so she was born um uh, in 1914 she lived a life where, you know, really at every point she kind of broke all of the conventions. She was very working class, um, but she established a career for herself. Um, she had children kind of later than most women were having children. Um, she, after her first husband died, she then went on to marry again outside of her own culture at a point in time where actually there was a lot of racism um, and that was actually a very difficult thing to do. Um, she really just charted her own course and was very bold in her choices. And I think growing up around somebody like that um it really sets a kind of trajectory I think it it gives you permission to then live your life on your own terms so I would absolutely point to her she was just a, a you know not always an easy person but a really wonderful person
0: yeah that's so lovely when um you've got I guess a role model who's so close to you absolutely yeah mm.
1: exactly and you can kind of learn from them every single day and yeah I think mm. you know for me I, I wouldn't Say at the time I really realized how much I was learning from her. It's the kind of thing I've looked back, you know, a few years after her death and realized actually what an inspiration she was and how much I, I did learn from her.
0: Mm. Um, have you completed any courses recently? Oh, yeah,
1: a couple. I love learning, I do courses all the time. Um, I think if I had to point to a couple that I have really enjoyed, one was. A course I did. I actually during the pandemic I trained as a life coach. And again, this is very much tied into the work that I do through the project. Um so I work as a a connection coach. So focusing on uh, friendship and platonic relationships for people who are single and solo and people who've been through kind of major life transitions. And I studied um remotely online with a guy called Kane Ramsey. Um and I really, really enjoyed it. I think that if you are looking to do something like that, the work that he does is a really fantastic starting point. It's, again, you know, it's similar to the podcast I mentioned. Very, um, He's very generous with his own knowledge um, and very open about his own story. And I think, you know, it's, it's relatable to learn from someone who has been through their own struggles and is very open about that, about their starting point, about the journey they've been on, about where they've ended up. Um, and I just found it very accessible, um, very, it's, it's kind of, you know, very bite sized Um, and the depth of the, the kind of the, the way the concepts were explained, the depth that he went into just, just really made it stand out from many of the other courses that I'd seen along those, those kind of lines, oh, sorry, those kind of lines. So I, I point to that one. Um, the other person I just want to flag is an amazing woman. I've done some coaching work as, and she's been my coach. Um, she's called Jay Diamond. She works out of the UK. Um, has international clients. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, and her kind of ethos is around, she focuses on sex and relationship coaching, actually. And I first got to know her at a point in time where I was actually in a relationship and um, needing some help with that. But actually the, the most powerful part, I think of what she does, that I don't think she talks about as much as she should, um, is actually around kind of self-connection and knowing yourself, knowing your value, knowing your worth, knowing what you stand for. And actually, the thing that she did for me that was incredibly powerful was made me think about the kind of future I wanted for myself and gave me the tools to actually be able to start to create that. So I would just give a shout out to Jay uh, because she's wonderful and you can find her on Instagram. She's on uh, uh, TikTok and Facebook and everything.
0: What's her, um, do you know her handle so people can find her? Um, I can look. Uh, we can, we'll, we can um, find it later. Maybe we'll put in the show notes. Great, or something. that be amazing. Um, So what's your definition of household management?
1: So I actually had no idea about this. I'm going to be really honest. So I Googled it um, when you said you were going to ask me this question. Um, And encyclopedia.com is the first one that springs up if you Google this. And it talks about the various tasks and chores associated with the organization, financial management and day-to-day operations of a home. Um, which I thought was a kind of nice summary. I mean, I think for me, if I had to just kind of write a list, it would be everything that goes into running a functional home. And, you know, when I say functional, I think that that differs from personal to person. It's, you know, what, what functional actually means. But it's everything, isn't it? It's cleaning, it's laundry, it's DIY, it's maintenance, cooking, Um, organizing, budgeting, shopping. It's actually a really long list when you start to think about it, but I think I would probably take quite a broad definition of Mm -hmm. of household management for myself.
0: Um, Is there something you think people get wrong when it comes to household management? Mm, I really do, yeah. I think a lot
1: of us set our standards incredibly high. And I think we do that without necessarily recognizing some of the other pressures that are just a part of everyday life these days. I think we... Uh, beat ourselves up a lot I think we kind of assume that there's this uh, standard that everyone else is living up to and we're kind of failing or falling short somehow um, you know I'm part of all of these online communities um, particularly around kind of single people people who live alone single parents that kind of thing and I just see constantly people kind of berating themselves beating themselves up and not being good enough um, and I think you know in my experience actually Everyone kind of struggles the same amount with this stuff. And I think the people who aren't struggling are they're buying in help or they're kind of making sacrifices elsewhere in their lives to be able to reach these these crazy high standards Um, or they're just at the kind of really organized end of the spectrum that most of us aren't at. Um, So I, I think that the mistake we make is 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 trying too hard to live up to standards that are just not, you know, not attainable. And we should all just cut ourselves a little bit more slack.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that I always feel like my house isn't tidy enough. I'm not cooking for myself enough. Um, And I just think that it's impossible to do all of those things and also like work and have a social life. And Yeah.
1: And also I think the other thing is that we see our own dirt more than other people are ever going to see it you know you know there's oh no, a spot that you haven't dusted or vacuumed or something if somebody came into your home they'd never see it right unless they were looking with a microscope um so I think there's also that that we we see things that other people just don't see and don't care about right if they really if they really love us they really want to be there they're not gonna they're not gonna mind
0: you can also just lie and say oh I'm gonna clean tomorrow
1: exactly exactly you just got me on right. a bad day You can yeah exactly
0: yeah and I guess it's also when you're live um, so we're about to uh, I'm about to ask you what your what, what your blog is about, but um, when you're living on your own, you're allowed to set your own standards. Yeah. I guess um, yeah, you don't have really to live live up to anyone else's standards.
1: No, and I think it's you don't and I think it's it's not just that you get to set your own standards. I think it's really important to set your own standards. And, and not try and 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 live up to these kind of um, unattainable standards um, or, or kind of spend your life obsessing. I mean, I was in a forum the other day with a woman who was just driving herself crazy. She just was, you know, literally vacuuming kind of three times a day because she just felt it was never clean enough. Um, and I think you do have to just decide what is right for you, and that is going to look different for different people. I mean, if I think about myself, I have a certain tolerance for a certain amount of mess, of my own mess, if it gets past a certain point, it is not... I'm not happy with it, but also fundamentally, it starts to actually affect my well-being, which sounds like quite a deep thing to say, but it, it, if, if I'm kind of trying to, you know, if I, I can't find things, I'm, I'm looking around for things, there are dirty plates on the side, it actually starts to affect my mental health. So for me, it's about at what point um, do, I, do I need things to be at to just be able to function? And that will look different to someone else's, but I think knowing where that point is, is, is really, really important.
0: Hmm. So um, what we've sort of mentioned it a little bit before, but what is your blog? Uh, what's the project?
1: Yes, the project is a bit more than a blog now, actually. So we we, we style ourselves as a social enterprise um, these days. And we have a mission, which is to celebrate and to normalize solo living as a valid lifestyle choice, particularly as more and more people around the world start to live alone for longer and longer stretches of time uh, at various points in their lives. And that's something that we're seeing not just in the UK, not just in Australia, but, but internationally as well. Um, and alongside that, we're really here to support and empower anyone who is starting to live alone or thinking about doing so. And the, the reason for that focus is, is that most people don't choose to live alone. I think very few of us kind of start out in life thinking, you know, this is is where I want to end up. It tends to be the kind of thing that happens to people, um, usually following kind of quite big life changes. So we find a lot of people in the solo living community um, who have for example been divorced or separated who've gone through a bereavement um, people who have had to move for work related reasons and have found themselves in new communities things like that so there's these kind of seismic shifts happening in people's lives and they end up living a particular lifestyle which perhaps they're not necessarily equipped to be able to live because none of us grow up living alone we all grow up living with other people so there's there's just a huge learning curve there's a lot to learn so that's what we do so the core of the project is the blog that I started um, in 2017 I can say more about that um, if that's helpful Um, and alongside that we also have an extensive and completely free resource center which you can access through our website which is livingwellalone.com um, and that's yeah available free to anyone who just wants to go and have a look and and, and learn a bit more about solar living. If you have questions about different aspects of of living alone. Um, we also have a series of online communities. Um, this became a really big thing at the height of the pandemic, as I'm sure you can imagine. So, all these people who had actually been living alone really well and really successfully, um, but were very much dependent on connections that they had outside of their own homes, um, you know, in terms of friendships, relationships, and so on, and then suddenly found themselves during the various lockdowns, being very isolated. And we're looking online for communities of, of, of people who are in similar situations. So our online communities really grew during that time. But what's been really nice is that they've, they've kind of lasted. And um, actually, there are just huge um, uh, groups of people who are realizing that actually they're not alone for the first time, um, and that there's a huge amount of learning that we can do from one another. Um, so, yeah, we have the blog, we have the resource centre, we have our online communities. And most recently, we've actually found ourselves being approached by all of these different organisations who have an interest in this space. And it's really a, a very, very long and quite eclectic list. And in again, in kind of ways that we've never really anticipated. So we've been approached by universities who are interested in how they can support students who are living away from home for the first time um we've been uh, approached by we do work with employers around the experience of single people in the workplace um and again sort of linked to the pandemic but uh people who are spending more and more time at home so working remotely that kind of thing um we have interest from in ch- community groups and charities who are conscious that there are people who are perhaps feeling quite isolated Um, So it's really, it's very, very broad. And we now uh, do a lot of training and consultancy work as well. So it's really very much expanded past the original blog that I started five years ago.
0: It's amazing how, you know, one, if you have a great idea, like, and, you know, the motivation to to follow that, it can turn into so many different avenues. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of that's been generated by us and kind of seeing Mm -hmm. the Um, the value I suppose and some of the learning and the expertise that we have but a lot of it actually has been people approaching us and I think the universities one in particular took us completely by surprise because most of the people in our community are a bit older so typically people would be kind of late 20s early 30s at the earliest when they're starting to live alone because that's the point where you have a bit more disposable income you can afford the rent or the mortgage to, to live by yourself but also there's kind of shifts I, I talked about in people's lives tend to happen when they're a bit older so to be approached by universities saying oh actually you know we've got all these young people who are leaving home and are living in halls or, or living in you know shared houses and actually a lot of them are really struggling do you have any learning that that, that that could help us that was a really interesting avenue for us we were kind of like oh okay that's different but actually when we thought about it we kind of thought, actually, yeah, there's there's masses here that we can share, and we actually ended up again during the pandemic developing a whole uh, toolkit for for students who were were stuck at university during the holidays. So it's it's the applications are actually really broad, and I think it just shows how much of a societal issue this is.
0: So when you say toolkits, what kind of um, resources do you have in them?
1: Yeah, so on the website, if you go onto it, um, we basically have pulled together everything that we've been able to find. So it's not all stuff that we produce ourselves. Some of it is, um, but we also have um, an entire like a, a, a library. So we've basically got links to all the books in this space about living alone, sort of living, navigating life changes, that kind of thing. We have links to podcasts. We have links to documentaries, TED talks, all kind of stuff, all kinds of stuff. Um, so it really depends on what you're looking for. And as I said, we do have some of our own, we've just started producing some of our own toolkits as well and um, we're actually doing a lot of work with employers at the moment we've just produced a, a book on kind of building more connected work uh, sorry not, not a book a, a, a toolkit a guide on building more connected workplaces so there's absolutely loads on that go and have a browse
0: yeah okay great um how do living arrangements affect household management
1: you know I think we all only have so much capacity in a day to do the things that we need to do to keep ourselves organized. And I do think that living arrangements make a huge difference. You know, when you're on your own, there's twice as much to do. You know, you can't share the chores with someone else. You have to do everything. Um, And that means there's less of you to go around. And the other thing when you live alone is that there's limitations to what one person can do. I think people find that there are probably fewer limitations than they think there are. But still, if you're talking about um, lifting heavy furniture, doing tasks which are a bit more strenuous. So if you're talking about, I don't know, clearing the garden or something like that. um, If you're short and you're trying to do anything which is up high, (laughs) cleaning the top (laughs) cupboard, something like that. um, There are just physical limitations a lot Mm. of the time which don't exist if you have a second or third or fourth person on hand. So I that, think that it's, you know, really about recognising those realities um, and thinking about creative ways to get the things done that you need to get done um, without overreaching yourself.
0: It reminds me, um, my mom wanted to put curtains up, so she bought some curtains and she was carrying them through... Um, the shopping center and she actually damaged her hip wow. cuz she shouldn't have yeah. been carrying it by herself oh, she shouldn't yeah um, and it's it's so this
1: the thing on carrying heavy objects it's something we hear about so often because it's so frustrating because you think I should be able to do this and it's, mm. it's great when you can you know it's a really good feeling when you you actually can do something but I think you know you have to be careful not to hurt <laughs> yourself um and it's you know it, yeah there are just limitations mm. and you, you just have to be I think it's you know it, a lot of this is kind of um it, about being able and willing to ask for help as mm. well
0: Yeah, I think she's definitely,
1: yeah, you're going to need to do more of if you live alone. There's just a reality to that.
0: Yeah, nowadays, um, if I drop by her house, even for like, yeah, she's fine. It ended up, I ended up staying with her for a few days um, just to make sure she was okay. But she actually ended up being um, much better than we thought she would be. Um, um, But now, like, even if I drop in for five minutes, she's like, oh, just help me carry the sofa over to the other room. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah she's learned her lesson yeah the other one is
1: um, a flat pack furniture Mm. we see a lot there's um i don't know if you've ever bought anything from ikea you know the kind of flat pack kits yeah and they don't have words on the instructions i think because they try to make them so that they're you know they're understandable to people from different countries speak different languages Mm -hmm. Um, But they have a lot of these little kind of cartoon character pictures on the instructions. And quite often there's one character by itself and they just have this big cross next to it. And then they have two characters next to each other smiling and looking happy with a big tick. And it's, you know, it's things like that where a lot of um, the way that homes are designed, that furniture is designed just kind of things, of design is is tended. It, it tends to to kind of gear towards two people, three people, and so on. It's you know it, a lot of the stuff is just more difficult if you live by yourself.
0: Do you have any tips for negotiating that type of thing? Is it just getting better at asking for help, or is it getting really good at um, I don't know coming up with workarounds? I think it's a combination
1: of both. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, what you need is going to differ depending on your circumstances. So someone who is, you know, young, relatively able-bodied is going to have a different set of needs to someone who is perhaps a bit older or living with a a sort of limiting health condition. Um, So I do think it's about working within your limits. I think it's about working out what you need. You know, I think that the kind of mindset piece is really important asking for help is really difficult and one of the things that we pride ourselves on as people who live alone is being really independent Um, and it can be very difficult to reach out to other people to say you know I actually need help but getting good at that I would say is a really important skill, and you can practice that, right? You can just start with really small things and kind of build up to. Can you come and help me fit my curtains or uh, lift my wardrobe or whatever it is? But actually, most people in my experience are really, really happy to help if they know that you live by yourself and they know that you're, you know, a, a nice, good person who isn't asking for anything too outrageous. Most people are, are really happy to to help. So I think it, you know, it is about um, knowing your limitations. I think it is about getting creative as well um you know the heavy lifting thing is so funny it just comes up endlessly and there's all kinds of we we do this thing called celebration sundays in one of our online groups which is where we just give people an opportunity to shout out about the things they've done by themselves that they're just really proud of that they wouldn't have an opportunity to shout out to anyone else about because no one else would understand the victory you know of doing these things by yourselves but you know we have people who um We'll, we'll put kind of blankets underneath heavy furniture. And, you know, you bend down really, really low, grip the furniture at the bottom, put it on a blanket and then just kind of gradually heave it across the room. You know, there are all these kind of creative stories about people doing all kinds of, of amazing things in their home. So I think it is about, you know, again, within your limits, please don't do anything that hurts when you're hurting yourself. Um, but I think it's, you know, you, you, it's actually amazing how much you you can do. And we actually did put together a pamphlet a while ago. I think you can still get it through the website. Um, if it's not up there, I'll make sure it goes back up. Um, which was solo living life hack. So it's a bunch of stuff that um you'd never think of unless you live to know because you'd never have to. Um, but just ways to make your life a little bit easier. Uh,
0: my my life hack is I have a skateboard. Um I don't skate. Um I use it to move furniture sometimes. Nice. <laughs> I have to ask
1: how you would get the skateboard under the furniture. That that sounds You can quite usually sort of lever it right. You
0: can lever things onto it okay. yeah. or like if it's like four boxes, you just pile the boxes on one after the other and oh, then you yeah, kind perfect. of yeah, I can push it that. and you yeah. don't have to yeah. like move something for, go around yeah. four times. Yeah.
1: My mum's favourite one is she uses her wheelbarrow to just move things around the garden mostly, but she'll mm-hmm. put anything in it, shopping or, you know, whatever she needs to, to move. So, yeah, I mean, you can definitely get creative if you need yeah.
0: to. Use what you have on hand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's. Are there any other significant differences between living alone and living with other people?
1: So we've talked, haven't we, about um, just the kind of limitations of of mm. what you can do and the mm-hmm. kind of I just. I think there are a couple other things that come up a lot from people in our communities. I think the 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 one that comes up again and again is decision making. So I think people who live in couples and family units underestimate the power of having someone on hand to just talk things through with. And that can be anything. That can be practical stuff around the home. It can be kind of, what are we doing this evening? What are we going to eat for dinner tonight? Where are we going to go on holiday? It's it's just, even if it doesn't actually happen, it's just that exchange of ideas. And some people who live alone are very comfortable making their own decisions. It's not, that's not a big deal. But I think particularly when you have people who are a little bit more extrovert, people who are, you know, if I say external processing, people who, who come to decisions by talking things through with others, that's something that people do reflect that, that it's it's difficult. It's not that they don't have people they can have those conversations with, but they tend to be outside of your home. It's not a spontaneous set of conversations. You have to literally call a friend and say, right, I'm thinking about where I want to go on holiday and I want to talk this through with you. Can you make some time to, to talk to me about that? So it's just a different relationship. And I think that's something that again for people who are coming to living alone very fresh you've never done it before that can feel like a real loss for a while until you work out kind of how to do it in in you know in in a different way so I think that that's something um and yeah just just kind of having everything on your shoulders which we've, we've already talked about it's just it's just a lot it can be a lot
0: how do you sort of navigate that finding someone to talk things through
1: so one of the things that we always say to anyone starting out living alone is that your connections are key and we're not talking about romantic connections here we're talking about all the other connections that make up a healthy happy life um i would always say to people start with your neighbors um for practical stuff as well as some of the sort of decision making conversations but Just just kind of slightly more generally, I think your neighbors are your support network locally. They're the people who are going to take in your post when you're not around. They're going to water your plants when you go on holiday. They're going to be your eyes and ears in terms of security. They're going to be the people who if if you get sick, if something changes in terms of your patterns, your behavior, they're going to be the ones who are checking in um and, and and noticing that and making sure that things are okay so I think there's something around just those the different circles of connections that you have in your life really think consciously about who those people are and actually invest the time make it a priority um to really invest in those connections and those relationships there's your neighbors there's there's friends there's family there's you know work colleagues who kind of become more than work colleagues um i think it depends on your life really and and your setup some people like to have lots of people around them some people like to have fewer people that's all fine but make sure that you have a network whatever that looks like it could be online forums as well so there are just so many these days um and you can usually find a forum about absolutely anything right including household management if you need tips and advice or you just want to have a chat with people about what you're thinking and again that's one of the things that our groups get used for quite extensively is people saying I'm just not sure about um you know I, I'm, I'm bored of all the meals I would usually cook so give me some ideas for you know meals for one I'm literally in a group called cooking for one um and it's just full of recipe ideas and that kind of thing so you can usually find a, a forum somewhere <laughs> to have these kinds of conversations but for me it's all about those connections that you have outside of the home
0: mm. <clears throat> what about some advantages to living alone
1: there are so many and this is why we um we accept some of the downsides (laughs) um so if you ask anyone who's lived alone for a decent period of time um and i say that because there is a learning curve and it's not always a comfortable experience at first that's part of what we help people kind of navigate through but if you talk to anyone who's done it for, for more than a few months um what they would say is just the sheer freedom of being unconstrained so i would kind of think about this in two ways so it's the freedom to do certain things on your own terms but it's also the freedom from the some of the challenges that can come with living with other people so you know the freedom to decorate your home however you want without having to negotiate that the freedom to eat the food you want at the time of day that you want to eat ice cream at two o'clock in the morning if that's what you want to do without anybody querying that or passing judgment on that. It's just that's what you want to do and that's fine. Um, to go to bed when you want, to watch what you want on TV, to go out when you want, to um, travel to where you want to travel. Um, not that people can't do these things in other families but there are just other, there are other people to consider and other people's preferences to take into account it's a constant state of negotiation right um, and you don't have any of that when you live alone so there's there's freedom to do a lot of these things and there's also freedom from so um you know freedom from it's small things like just other people's mess i come back to my home and it's the way i left it <laughs> and that's great if i create the mess it's my own mess um, i'm not having to kind of wade through other people's dirty socks that kind of thing but kind of on a more serious note, it's it's freedom from, I think we hear this not exclusively, but particularly from women, freedom from uh, coercive, controlling, abusive behaviours that some people have experienced that have led them to living by themselves. So there are huge benefits, I think, in, in both of those directions. But but freedom is the, the, the single biggest thing. And it's not always um, comfortable at first because a lot of us live our lives as I, I've kind of talked about a little bit before, um, within these kind of what we think are the kind of rules of the game or the rules of how we're meant to live. Um, so to suddenly have this kind of uncontrolled freedom, you feel a bit like a, a teenager where your parents have gone away for a weekend, and you can suddenly do anything you want because no one's going to tell you not to. Um, and that can be kind of exhilarating and a bit unsettling. But if you can actually get get used to that and get good at using that that freedom to build a, a, a life that works for you, it can be incredibly empowering as well.
0: So you did mention that there's sort of a learning learning curve curve, um, to sort of getting to that point where it's comfortable to yeah. – um, how, how, I guess, what is that like and how do you negotiate that? So I would say it starts with the the small
1: things and it kind of – as you get better at the basics – you then take on kind of bigger and bigger challenges. So when I say the basics, it goes back to that definition of household management. So if you take cooking as an example, again, most of us grow up in family units or at least living with one other person. We get used to cooking for groups. So how, or we share the cooking. So we're not having to cook every night. So how do you make sure that you're eating healthy, nourishing food um and the right amount of food without having to start from scratch every single evening there are just things that you need to learn about how to do it it's just different to living as part of a bigger group um a lot of people start living alone and tell us things like i've never had to manage my finances before there's always been someone else to do that for me or I've never had to pick up a screwdriver before or a hammer before because there's always been someone else to do that for me. I've never had to clean before. There's always been someone else. So it's, it's those basics. Sometimes it's just learning the skill and sometimes it's learning how to do it in a way that works when you're living alone. Um, once people get comfortable with those things, which actually people do more quickly than they think they're going to. Again, it's that thing about necessity is is quite a powerful motivator. You just kind of have to get on with it. So you do. Um, But after that, it becomes much more about your life in the round. So it's things like, okay, I have a weekend coming up and I'd like to not just be sitting here by myself. (laughs) Um, I'd like to do something. But you don't have that kind of immediate group of people on hand to go and do things with. So you learn that actually you have to plan your time. And you have to get in touch with your friends, your family, you know, a good week in advance to say, right, let's do something this weekend. There's always things in the diary. Um, It's things like, oh, I'd love to go to that restaurant, but none of my friends are available. So I'm going to go and do it by myself. And that's huge. Right. That's scary. So how do I do that in a way where I still feel comfortable and have a great experience? Um, But I'm not with someone else. And then it goes on to things like solo travel, that kind of thing. So I think it, it the learning curve kind of you, – you never really get off it, is my experience, um, but it's more like the challenges change as you as you kind of progress along it.
0: Mm. Where do you think you are on the curve, if you <laughs> want to answer really that? Uh. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I think it's a really good question. I mean, you
1: know, it's actually an interesting one because up until recently I would have said, you know, pretty far along the curve feeling pretty confident I've been doing this for a long time now um but actually i had a really interesting experience um recently well my whole experience actually from this year so i'm actually about to become a solo mum. so i'm having a baby in 2 wow. months wow congratulations thank you um and that is something i've wanted to do for a long time and that's been very much kind of on the cards and i think i went into that feeling very confident around I know how to do this solo living thing and I've got a network of other solo parents that I can learn from I have my support network my community those kind of connections that we talked about you know I feel good about this and then got to a point a few months in where I just realized that actually the networks I had were not giving me what I needed I was actually still relying really heavily on People who were in my life who were amazing people, but they're just at a very different point in life. And what I hadn't done was to make connections locally with other new mums or kind of mums to be. I didn't really have anyone locally to me with young babies or who were pregnant to just talk about kind of what what this feels like, all these changes kind of happening in my body and in my life and my house is full of baby stuff and I have nowhere to put it and I don't know what the storage solutions are for that you know and I'm here by myself trying to navigate all of that and it was actually a really good wake-up call for me that this this journey of learning when you live alone and you're living a kind of solo life it actually never ends your your life changes that creates different challenges and you have to almost kind of renegotiate and reassess and rebuild and just kind of keep it just doesn't it doesn't stop i guess so yeah i mean i'd say I, i'd like to think i'm pretty far down the, the learning curve but I, you know i would definitely not say i'm someone who has all the answers as you can tell you know i'm still still very much learning and still very much kind of navigating that.
0: i'd love to have another follow-up interview um when you've had the i mean if you want to it, when you've had the baby to see how your life has changed yeah yeah it'd
1: be interesting um, wouldn't it um, yeah i'd like to know um, yeah, <laughs> Ideally
0: before <tank> that. <laughs> yeah for sure
1: love to Um, that'd be good fun
0: mm. so you did mention earlier cooking for one is not very enjoyable um do you have any tips (laughs) i I don't know if
1: it's not enjoyable i think it can be really enjoyable Mm -hmm. and i think that that's part of it i think it's it's very daunting if you've not done it before and some of that's about the cooking itself literally how do i cook for one how do i adjust my portion sizes um when all the recipes are for kind of two to four or four to six people so it's kind of practical stuff but i think it's also about the associations we have around food as being a sociable activity it's where you sit down as a family or you sit down with friends you know whether that's kind of more formally or whether it's just you know somewhere getting a a takeaway getting fast food and just just be with other people and you're talking you're experiencing and i think we we have these associations around food and i think to not have that can be very i know a lot of people who just avoid mealtimes when they live alone um and i think that's really sad actually for anyone to feel that sense of kind of loss or emptiness around uh you know key points in the day so i think it's about reframing eating and food and cooking as something that can be really enjoyable so my mom lo- loves to talk about beautiful moments which I just think is such a lovely thing I'm not sure if it's something that she read somewhere or something that she kind of came up with herself but she she also lives alone and she um made a real point when she started living alone of just making eating a beautiful experience so she would sit down with a glass of wine she might have a book she would sit down in front of a window that faces she's very lucky to have a garden where she can see the sunset um and so she would sit there with the light coming in and she would just make it a really lovely point of reflection in her day um, rather than it being this 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 sort of time in the day where there was that sense of loss so I think reframing is is really really important um I think kind of on a much more practical note Unless you are, you know, someone who has kind of um, uh, chef ambitions or unless you really, really love cooking, like you don't need to do it from scratch every night. I think people think they do and you just don't have to. You know, it's fine to make the recipe that's for four people. Just make the recipe for four. Eat what you want to eat. Put the rest in the fridge. Freeze it if you need to. There are a bunch of of, um, uh, resources online about how to store food well um there's you know things that you can do I would always suggest people get really creative so get away from this idea of you know meat and two veg as being the kind of standard I think look in your fridge and just see what you have in there come up with something creative stir fires are amazing there are all these apps that you can get where you literally put in three ingredients and it will give you a recipe that you can make with three ingredients you know just be be creative and I think the other thing is that going back to the idea of freedom you know try things that maybe you wouldn't have tried because somebody else in your household didn't like that kind of food. Um, or maybe it's just outside of your comfort zone a bit, but you're kind of curious, you know, just, just actually make the process of making the meal a really nice and fun one. Go out and buy really nice, fresh, good ingredients if you can afford to do that. Get the best that you can afford. Um, mm. Put some music on, just, you know, just have some fun with actually making the uh, the meal. You know, there, there's so many things. I, I love kind of metsay. Meals, so it's not, it's not, it's not a real meal, but it's you know some crackers and some vegetables and some dips, um, you know olives, feta cheese, that kind of thing, and it's it's like a, a just pick a snack. But again, you can make that look really lovely. You can put it on little plates and just make it a nice experience. So I think there's lots that you can do around meals to just make it much more bearable, much more manageable. Mm.
0: That's a great idea. I love the idea of just um, putting everything on the plate and just making it look fancy. yeah and doing that for you because Mm -hmm. you matter I think that's so important Mm. when you live alone
1: it's so easy to fall into this trap of oh well I don't have anyone here there's no point but actually you matter so much and your experience matters and you're the only one living your life you know why shouldn't you have a nice plate nice cutlery a candle the glass of wine you know, I think a lot of it actually is about self-worth and self-care and actually investing in yourself. It's, I would absolutely, you know, start with, start with meals and, and, and prove to yourself that actually, you know, you're, you're worthy of just having a really nice time. And it doesn't matter if there's no one there to witness that. It's absolutely fine to just do it for you.
0: Be a little mm. bit selfish. It's fine. That's, that's a lovely sentiment. Um, just doing everything for yourself. Um, and so you did mention before with um the book that you you suggested um it's about knowing yourself and knowing your boundaries um did you want to speak about that a little bit more no um it depends what you mean uh, what i just wrote, I, I wrote i wrote some notes and then um i was like oh we should talk about that a bit more but yeah. um cuz you you mentioned that your uh the course you did was about knowing yourself and um finding yourself um and I feel like this is it sort of it sort of does link in my mind maybe it's too too esoteric um that you know cooking a meal for yourself that you want to eat um is part of that discovery of yourself
1: absolutely and this is you know we talked about the learning curve and I think this is Mm. a key part of that learning curve Mm -hmm. to get to a point where you know yourself so well that not only are you living a life that suits you, whatever that looks like, but also that you're at a point where you're not prepared to compromise on that. And if you speak to people who have lived alone, and have then gone on to live with other people. So that would primarily be people who've then gone into romantic relationships and decided to live with their partner. One of the things they say is that the most powerful piece of learning has been knowing themselves and knowing where their boundaries are and knowing where there are things they're prepared to compromise on and things that they're not. And I think there are powerful lessons in that for, for all of us. This is not just about being single or living solo. This is just something I think it's, it's, a, it's um, a, a, a process that I think all of us should go through to work out where those lines are for us. And we talk a lot about boundaries, don't we? But I think it's not always a particularly well-defined or well-explained term, but you know, this is so I know a lot of the one thing actually a lot of people say is I'd never go back to sharing a bed with someone else. And it sounds funny, but you live alone for a while in your own huge double bed and you realize how amazing that is. And it's an experience <laughs> to not have to sleep next to somebody who's moving around or snoring or wants the room a different temperature or wants to be awake at a different time of day or night to you, wants to go to bed at a different time. It, it actually is a really luxurious experience. It's lovely. And and actually I know a lot of people who've started to live with others, but their condition is we have our own bedrooms. We can sleep in the same bed when we want to, but we also have that space to retreat into that is entirely our own. So that, that's, it's kind of a funny one, but it's, it's such, you know, I hear that so often, but I think it is about, um, you know, boundaries and personal space and and that idea of prioritizing yourself and your needs. And actually, we all know that getting a good night's sleep is so good for us in so many ways, um, you know, that I, I can really see why that's something that people would, you know, would want to carry forward. But it's, you know, it's also things, it is things about kind of how you allow yourself to be treated um, by other people um, and the kind of standards that you set for yourself. And I think that, you know, being alone with our own thoughts isn't something we're all, comfortable with but i think if you spend periods of time by yourself and you can actually get comfortable with the thoughts that are going through your head um it it, it, there's a lot of space there for personal growth and personal development and that's something i think that is is part of that kind of solo living learning curve or certainly can be if people want it to be
0: Mm. um is there something um yeah, is there a practice that you do at home, um, like, regularly to yeah. Yeah, improve your lifestyle?
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing I do regularly is I do 15 minutes of yoga every morning. Sometimes twice a day, but every morning, just for 15 minutes. Um, and it's not strenuous yoga. I'm not doing handstands or anything. <laughs> um, it's very gentle. But it's just my way of waking up to the day, um, waking up gently, um, having a little bit of time to myself for reflection and just kind of getting my body moving. So I do that. That's a, For me, it's a lovely way to start my day.
0: Mm. Um, what are three good things about that? Or well, what are some things. good things about so that? We, it doesn't have to be three. Yeah, ones. so I think – the first
1: thing is that the kind of physicality of it. Um, just, uh, yeah, just just stretching and just feeling my body and just um, f- feeling kind of uh, ready to kind of take on the day physically. Um, I think the other thing for me is it's, so a lot of people will practice kind of mindfulness while they're doing yoga and will try to switch off their brain. I tend to wake up with a very active brain, my brain wakes up thinking, here are 10 things I need to do today. (laughs) Um, And actually, I found it's more powerful to just let that happen. So I'm kind of physically moving, but I'm just letting my brain think through and prioritize all the things that it needs to think through and prioritize. So for me, it's just that space where I'm not doing anything else. I'm not on my phone, I'm not you know there with the tv on I'm, I'm not on the phone to someone I, I'm just creating that space for my brain to be able to do its thing which I think is helpful for me yeah in terms of just prioritizing and working out kind of what the important things are for me to get done that day um and I think if you're looking for a third thing it's, it's just calming it's nice I just feel better it's just a lovely
0: thing to do mm. that's it <laughs> um are there any challenges
1: I would, I would if, a while ago I would have said finding the time to do it because it always feels like there's other things to prioritize. But actually, I think as with any kind of habit, you know, once once you've 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 built it into your routine, it just becomes something that you do. It's like brushing your teeth or brushing your hair. do um, not there are any particular challenges? I think if you know if, if I was doing handstands, then I might I might say that. But I'm really not <laughs> I'm not that much of a yogi,
0: really maybe a challenge would be um I hurt my back while doing yoga and I can't do it anymore
1: <laughs> any yoga instructor would tell you there are still things that you can do that would help your uh, help your back
0: even uh.
1: so no I don't find it challenging anymore mm-hmm. I think it, it was challenging when I was trying to kind of switch my mind off mm-hmm. um, but as I said I don't I don't push myself to do that that's not the time in, in my day when I when I do that that's that's not what I use it for um so yeah I don't find it challenging anymore actually hmm. I miss it if I don't do it it's almost the opposite I really notice if I haven't done it for any reason
0: do you recommend everyone do this do
1: you know what I do recommend I think for everybody but I think particularly if you live alone I would recommend just making a bit of time for yourself actually for everyone this isn't just a living alone thing I think again it goes back to the idea of self-investment and self-worth just give yourself the opportunity to start the day gently. And that could look different for different people. It could just be sitting there and having a nice cup of coffee without doing anything else. It could be doing some meditation or mindfulness. It could be doing a bit of yoga or, or even something more, you know, you could do a, a short hit class, something like that. Just give yourself a little bit of time to start the day. I think it's, I find it helpful for just perspective so you're not kind of racing into the first thing that springs to mind. You're actually just thinking what, what do I really need to get done and actually, you know, where can things give a little bit, you know, particularly when we've talked about household management these standards that we set for ourselves, you know, actually, is it, it? do I need to do everything on the list or actually can I do some of it and then go out and have some fun? And I think having mm. that, that time at the start of the day helps you to, to kind of think some of that through.
0: <laughs> my favourite way to start the morning is a slow breakfast, just with a book, don't have to Perfect. worry about anything. Yeah, my worst, I, I hate like having to rush off to work first thing in the morning exactly yeah
1: you just you feel like you're behind the curve don't you
0: Mm. i like that
1: idea just breakfast with a nice book yeah perfect there you go you've got it sorted
0: yeah um is there anything i've missed um that you wanted to talk about
1: do you know i think we've um we've gone pretty broad and pretty deep actually on this one haven't we yeah (laughs) in terms of sober living Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a good question I think you know all I would say is that if you are someone who is living alone particularly if it's your first time living alone no matter what your circumstances I would just want people to know that they're not alone because you're you're literally kind of physically by yourself it's very very easy to think you're the only person in the world dealing with this stuff and actually I would say that even today and actually part of the reason I started the project was just that there was no, um, there, there are so few resources, there's so little online for people who are doing this by themselves. And part of my reason for starting the project was I was living by myself, going through this this, this quite a difficult set of experiences with that and looking online, trying to find some help and finding Nothing, and actually, even today, five years age, there's still not much. But there are resources we've set one up. Um, There are other people now working in this space. Um, There are quite a few people on things like Instagram who are are just just talking more about solo living lifestyles. You know, you're not by yourself. There are people out there you can connect with. You know, in fact, there are hundreds of thousands, even millions of people living by themselves globally. So you know, don't sit there and struggle. Um, Do have a look online. Do reach out. and yeah, find your people, find your tribe. We're here, we're waiting, we're ready to talk.
0: And we'll definitely have um, links to your um, website and everything in our show notes so people can find you nice and easily. Um, that would be great, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So we've got some questions from the audience now. Um, okay. so, nice. Yeah, great. Um, the first question is, um, what are some of your top tips uh, for an individual who has just started or is about to start living alone? so my top tips would be so i've already said so reach out
1: to others in similar circumstances absolutely don't take on too much too quickly i think it's there's this mindset of i have to be fine and i have to be fine now um it, it, you're on a learning curve you would be on a learning curve anyway but I'm gonna guess that if you are someone who started living alone recently, something's happened in your life that's meant that that's the step that you've had to take. There are a lot of people starting to live alone who have gone through really quite significant trauma. So if that is you, please don't underestimate that. Give yourself time and space to heal, to process, um, whatever it is that you are going through or dealing with. Um, It's absolutely fine to not get this stuff right straight away typically it takes people a good year a good couple of years in some cases for people to just start to feel really confident living alone that's a completely normal time frame for some people it's a lot longer um so i would just say make sure that you are being kind to yourself um i would also say you know uh, it's a very common thing that um none of us like to be a burden and it's very difficult I think sometimes to reach out for help but if you feel able to please just let people around you know what's going on you know most people just don't see the realities of other people's lives particularly when they're playing out behind closed doors so your friends or family may be very well intentioned I'm sure they care deeply about you but they may not realize how much you're struggling or how difficult you're finding things um, or how much help you need so so you kind of have to be explicit and i would i would practice getting very good at those conversations <laughs> so just you know you don't have to do it in a kind of complainy way or you don't even have to be asking for something but i think there's something about just being open about the reality that you're experiencing so i would i would really say just 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 keep talking to people that makes a huge difference and just just focus on building those connections
0: mm-hmm. It's very hard to help someone if you don't know that they need help, I guess. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And most people are
1: so willing to. They really are. There's mm. so much, there is so much kindness in the world and people, you know, really will, will step up. But sometimes I think people need to be given specifics.
0: Yeah, I did read somewhere when um, someone passes away, don't say, do you need any help? You can say, give really specific answers to like when you're um, – letting them know how to help I guess it's um it's it's very I guess it's it's hard to um come up with I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here um it's good to have specific it's it's good to have specific ways to help people I guess yeah definitely I mean you
1: know in situations like bereavement it's it's um Mm -hmm. sometimes you're not in a place to be able to make specific asks I think what you need really Mm. are people who been through similar experiences. Who <laughs> yeah. just turn up on your doorstep with food? So I think it's it's a slightly different thing, um, maybe. But 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 even then, I think if you're not getting that kind of support, then um, you know, just just being able to say, look, actually, I need. It would be so nice if somebody would just cook me a meal. I would just really appreciate it if you would just come around and bring me <laughs> some food. Um, I think if you can get clear on kind of what it is that you need, people find that easier than just, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling alone, I'm I'm struggling because people don't often know what to do with that. And the other thing is to recognize that, um, and I, again, I, I just went through this huge learning curve with this. I, I kind of, I was dealing with the bereavement when I went through this um, phase of just thinking people didn't care. And it it just wasn't true. It was that people didn't want to impose themselves on me.
0: Because mm. I gave this
1: impression of being someone who was so independent, so on top of things. When people saw me, even after I'd, I'd been through this movement, was struggling a lot with my mental health um, and living alone. People saw me and I was cheerful and I was, you know, on good form And b- because I wasn't wanting to let them down. But then that also meant that they couldn't see how much I was struggling so, you know, and, and, and even when they could, there was a kind of sense of, well, we, you know, she's so independent, we don't want to encroach or, um, you know, push in. And I think a lot of people are very polite in that way. So it, that's why it's so important that, that we take responsibility for actually just initiating those conversations and mm. saying, look, actually, I'm kind of all right, you know, 50% of the time. But you know what, the other 50% is just really hard. <laughs> it's actually really hard right now. Um, and it would just be so nice if I had someone to go for a drink with in the evening. Could we do that? It would be so nice if we could just cook a meal together. Is that something that you could help me with? You know, I'd it'd be so. I just love to get that bookshelf set up so I can just organize my stuff. Is that, could you this weekend maybe just come around and help me? You know, it's, it's making those specific asks and, and people will, will jump to help. And if they're not, then that's a different set of questions. Um, I think that there's something around kind of who you're surrounding yourself with. That's a whole. That's a whole different thing.
0: Mm. Um, so the second question: um, What are the sort of qualities or skills you need to live um, independently and alone? Interesting. Yeah. Are I there mean, any? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really
1: good question. I, I mean, the, the skills you 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 have to learn, and I do think that. Just, just taking time to get good at the basics is really important. You don't have to be good at them before you start living independently, but you have to be prepared to learn them. So it is the, the cooking, the cleaning, the budgeting, all the stuff we've talked about. But I think there's a, there's a kind of mindset piece to this as well. Um, I think that if you have kind of fallen into living alone, rather than that being a choice then that can be quite confronting so i would always say just just stand back and look at your options if you feel like living alone is your only choice and that's not something you're comfortable with maybe look at whether there are alternatives and, and really make whatever lifestyle is you choose make make it a, a proactive choice um because that will make you feel more in control i think that if you want to live independently in a way that's that's healthy then um being curious being willing to give things a try even if you might get them wrong you know you should have seen some of my early attempts to paint and wallpaper it was awful (laughs) um but I, I had fun and I was able to laugh at myself and I think that's really important um be gentle with yourself you don't have to get everything right straight away. Um, be pioneering, be prepared to give things a try. Um, and reach out for help, as we've said. Mm. Don't don't feel as though you have to do everything yourself. You don't your your world is still full of connections, even if they're not directly in your home, so make use of them.
0: I think those are the things I would say. Mm. Um uh, our third question is a little bit different. Um, so, do we need to clean our living space as often as when we live with other people? Um, the question, the, the audience member says that um, their brother who studies abroad, he doesn't, he says he doesn't clean as often because it's just him. Do you find that to be true?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I live with teenagers at the moment. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I rent out a spare room to young people who are, are leaving the, the care system. And, um, that creates its own mess. Um, but I think, you know, it depends on your household type, right? If you're living with a partner, three children and a dog, you're going to have a lot more cleaning to do than <laughs> if there's just one of you. So I would say yes. I think again, it, it, it comes down a bit to personal standards. I know people who live alone who clean twice a day, which I, think is a lot of cleaning um I have a lot of respect for anyone who can clean twice a day that's not me <laughs> um, if that's what you need to do to keep your space the way that you want it then that's fine I think objectively you you're gonna have less mess if you live by yourself it's a solo living perk mm. unless you're a very messy person I
0: was gonna say um it also depends on how messy you are because I can be very messy so I have to tidy up every day yeah, and, you
1: know, there's this thing, thing about accountability, isn't there? You know, if you mm-hmm. live with someone else, you might actually be neater than you are if you live by yourself because you're sharing a space with someone else and you want to be respectful. So, yeah, I think there's there's maybe a degree of it depends on, on just kind of how messy you are as a person as well.
0: A hundred percent. I do my dishes way more when my partner's there in the apartment with me. There you go. <laughs> When I'm at home by myself, I'm just like, oh, I'll just leave that's the dishes. Fine. I'll them dead do them yeah, later. Yeah, if
1: you're happy
0: with that, then that's absolutely fine, right? Mm. I you get comfortable um, back to kind of the
1: standards you're setting for
0: yourself. Mm. Um, the next question, how do you fill up your time? My time, personally? Or just, I guess, if you're living alone, how do you fill up your time? Yeah, it's an interesting, it's such a good
1: question. I think there's this perception that if you live alone you will be sitting by yourself night after night day after day with nothing to do bored maybe a bit lonely I think that it really is a very widely held perception I mean in my experience of people who've lived alone for any stretch of time at all it's the complete opposite. We have so much to do that we don't know what to do with ourselves. That's certainly true in my case. I'm, I, you know, There are not enough hours in the day for all the things I'm interested in. Um, I think that you, you can sit by yourself at home and do nothing, but most of us would get bored with that very quickly. I think coming back to this idea of freedom, when you live alone, especially if you are single as well, you have a lot of time on your hands. I would describe it as having unstructured time. There are not lots of things filling that time, which means that you then have choice. So you can decide how you want to spend your time. And people do that in a a myriad of different ways. Um, One of the interesting pieces of research that has come out in the last few years is about the involvement of single people in their communities. And actually, the research shows that single people are much more likely to be involved in community groups. Um, They typically will spend more time uh, at the gym, in restaurants. They will actually spend more time on family obligations than people who live in family units. So, for example, supporting parents, siblings, nieces, nephews, um, supporting their friends, that, that, that kind of that ability to flex your time to the things that matter to you is, again, one of the, the biggest freedoms of living alone. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that, that we have these things called Celebration Sundays in one of our online communities. And people share all sorts of things they've been up to, you know, crafting, hobbies, music groups, gardening, hiking groups, you know, adventuring, going off and doing weekend city breaks or, you know, travel adventures. It it really depends on the kind of life that you want to build for yourself. And I think, you know, that the starting point would be, um, how do you want to spend your time? Because you have that complete control and, and, and choice. And again, that can be very overwhelming at first, especially if you're somebody who perhaps has historically Look to other people for ideas on kind of how to spend your time. There's a big learning curve, but mm-hmm. but if you can start to see that as an opportunity, it's it's um yeah there's a there's an awful lot that you can you can fill your time with if you want to, and it can be very exciting. And I would say give it a go. If you're not sure what you want to do, just try some stuff. Join some meetup groups. You know, go mm-hmm. to go to a, a, a few different things and just see what see what you enjoy there's so much out there there
0: really is it does remind me of um I've had people um come and say I don't know what I did before I was retired um yes. I I have no time to do anything now I'm so busy no all the time for it, for a day job. yeah
1: exactly. yeah because they
0: just have so many things that they want to do that they're just doing every day which I think that's the dream honestly yeah isn't it <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely you know life is 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 exciting if, if you want it to be, but there's, there's absolutely no, um, there's no need for anyone to be um, doing nothing. And that in my experience, that's not typically how people who live alone would, would spend their time.
0: Um, I think, so that's all the um, questions we have from the audience. Really good um, question. Yeah. Um, yes, we did. Did have some great questions. Um, so now is the open mic. So you can talk about um, anything you're interested in.
1: Okay, great. I'm 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 kind of excited about this. I have a few thoughts, so I'm just going to kind of riff around them. So the thing I wanted to talk about is this idea of dimensions of difference. And this is a phrase I came across when I was doing a course on inclusion and diversity at work. I did this a couple of years ago now. And this is about any situation you find yourself in where there's something about you that sets you apart from the norm, you know, whatever normal is for the group that you find yourself in at a particular point in time. And that could be a friendship group, it could be a group of neighbors, you know, people in your community, it could be colleagues or even even a, a group of people from within your family. But the thing that sets you apart is your dimension of difference. And the common ones that we talk about, you know, all the time are things like race, gender, sexuality. In the UK, we call them protected characteristics. Um, But dimensions of difference can go much, much broader and do go much, much broader than that, including things like your relationship status, um, what kind of property you live in, you know, flat or house, the the neighbourhood, the location you live in. That's perhaps particularly a city thing, but it's, you know, that, that's something that comes up a lot. You know, your style, the clothes you wear, how you spend your time. There, there are thousands of things that, that at any given time we can we can realise, mark us out as being different from how the other people in that group live. And I think depending on how the group decide to navigate that, it can be a very uncomfortable experience. There can be a lot of judgement. Um and I wanted to talk about navigating dimensions of difference, what you can do if that is your experience, what kind of mindset you should adopt if you find yourself in a situation where something about you becomes kind of highlighted in that that kind of slightly uncomfortable way. And, and, and the reason for wanting to talk about this is that I, I do think this is linked in very much with um, living alone and being single in a world that still puts a premium on settling down getting married having babies in a in a couple um in a a kind of more traditional sense and and it's certainly one of my dimensions of difference that is somebody who has embraced sort of living and is very comfortably single i very often find myself in um groups where i'm the only one living the way that i do uh and i'm you know surrounded by couples um and, and and you know that that that's something that i'm kind of critically aware of a lot of the time i think particularly in my age it's that's just kind of where people are in, in their life and i'm very lucky because i'm surrounded by some really kind of wonderful accepting people um uh, but it is something i still kind of feel quite often um so i just wanted to share some thoughts on kind of navigating that um i'm sure there are lots of other ideas as well kind of out in the community um but these are just some of my thoughts And i think my first reflection would be that it can sometimes pay to take a second to try to differentiate between curiosity and judgment um i think particularly when we've been on the sharp end of negativity in the past about who we are or the way that we live it's very easy to assume that people are uh, jumping to judgment and it's very easy to become very defensive and I've certainly been guilty of this in the past but actually in my experience often people are just interested and they're just curious and they have questions about your life or about you because that's not within their frame of reference and they just want to understand more um, and I think as long as people are asking questions respectfully, perhaps checking with you that actually it's okay to ask questions um, and are taking the time to kind of process what you're saying um, and ultimately are reaching a place of acceptance, actually withholding our own assumptions about their intentions is, is really powerful. You know, ultimately, what we want is we want people to. Um, to 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 learn and we want people to be accepting and where people are judging we want them to change that behavior right um, and I think that starting from a place of openness and trying to help people understand where you're coming from um, can actually be really really powerful so I think you know unless we're talking about something that's kind of really overt and directly offensive um, just taking a second to 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 see whether there's there's room for kind of engagement with someone um, is definitely something I found uh, can be really uh, can be really helpful. I think the second thing I would say is to think about your own power and this this question I asked through some of the coaching work I do around to what extent do these people have the right to comment? or the knowledge to comment on the content of your character or your lifestyle. Um, and typically the answer will be not much um, unless people know you incredibly well, in which case you'd hope that they wouldn't be starting from a place of judgment. Um, most people who are going to be making comments or, um, uh, being sort of narrow-minded about the way that you're choosing to live or the person that you are, most of those people um, are not people who are going to be of much importance if you think about your life in kind of five or ten years' time. So just be very conscious of who you're giving your power to and who you're giving control over the choices that you make. And I think if you feel as though their opinions are very important to you, it's worth just taking a second to question um why you feel that way um because often you know it's just so important isn't it that we're surrounded by people who accept us it can be very damaging for our confidence um to be constantly kind of those kind of microaggressions constant comments and, and 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 queries about why we are the way that we are it's very damaging um so i think if 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 you feel as though it is very important to you to um uh, to, to be accepted by a certain group of people who perhaps are not offering that acceptance, taking a step back to think about why that's so important to you is, is definitely something that I would I would recommend. And then finally, you know, the kind of the the follow on from that is is surrounding yourself with people who accept your difference, um, or perhaps finding groups where you don't feel different. That where where you no longer have a dimension of difference or something that sets you apart. Um, you know, life is really short, right? If you can't change people's minds, then Unless you absolutely have to spend time with them, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. You're too important. You're too valuable. Mm. Um, you know, one of the joys of living in this incredibly kind of super connected world that we live in these days is that there are so many communities. There are so many forums. It's so easy to find forums and groups of people um, who are like us. It's easy to find our tribe um, and you know, no one's really alone anymore. I think sometimes it's just that you haven't found your people yet. Um, That's not to say that it's necessarily easy or comfortable to walk into a new group of people. Um, It's not. A lot of us have a lot of social anxiety around that kind of thing. But I think that if you're prepared to reach out, if you're prepared to make new connections, get to know some new people, um, often that can just be such a powerful thing to do, um, to find uh, a place of acceptance so don't waste your time with people who are not giving you the, the support and the care and the acceptance that you deserve. Um, those are my thoughts and tips on navigating dimensions of difference, and I hope that's been interesting.
0: It has. I'm just loving. Yeah, thank you. I'm just. Um, I just love how you're so. You're very much into prioritizing um, yourself and how you are, and sort of um, selecting, I guess, the people who make you, um, yeah, selecting who you are, who you have around you. So I really love that philosophy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I would say it's not,
1: it's not that I don't recognize that we have obligations. Right? Mm-hmm. We all do. We all are going to have to spend some of our time around people we don't necessarily want to Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the time also we don't feel we have permission to step away we feel we have responsibilities to people who don't share that sense of responsibility towards us and I think if you are in dynamics like that in any aspect of your life it's worth thinking about actually where is that sense of obligation coming from who's making you engage who's making you spend your time and your energy in those relationships, in those connections, and actually is there space to maybe just retire some of them or change the amount of time you spend on them and maybe replace them with connections, friendships, relationships that just serve you better. And again, I think it's that freedom of having the time, being solo, being single, living alone, where you have that, that time to, to think about these things. But it's so important. It's so important. We have one life. We have one life,
0: you know? Mm, yes. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It was really great to have you and have all your thoughts. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really
1: great. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to On The House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.